Hello everybody and welcome to podcast number 72. Today I have with me a stand-up comedian and podcaster running her own podcast, More Than Work. It's Rabia Kuhn, everybody. Welcome, Rabia. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. No, it's, it's brilliant. And um, so I'm going to actually start with your podcast, um, More Than Work. So um, how did you come up with the idea of doing this? I basically, I mean, well, it was during lockdown. So of course, you know, what else was I going to do? <laughs> I'd start a podcast, but I podcasted years ago and I really, I love the medium and I love, I think people telling their stories is so powerful. And one of my themes has been over time, like overworking myself, getting burnt out, really not living a very full life outside work so often because I was always just just working and I go through this especially in our earlier in our 30s now I'm in my 40s but just like they would like lose their job for whatever reason and then they would feel like they had nothing to give another company even though they had this proven track record of 10 years of work that was excellent and so I just kind of wanted to encourage people to see what I've seen which is yeah there's more than work and your value is not based on just your work and and that's how I came up with it it's really good because it is true because people you dedicate your whole life to work but as soon as you retire you're replaced straight away and you and then, you know nobody is indispensable um so uh, that, that's really good and so do you do a lot of writing do you enjoy writing is that something as well that you've done with your oh. yeah I love writing I think I wanted to be a writer and I took writing classes in college and I actually ended up doing an extra year of school, not because I was so smart, but just because I spent a year doing like writing and sociology and things like that that weren't related to my major, Sorry. which I think that's the year I'm paying for right now. But um, I just didn't have the guts to pursue it. And but it, I always have done it anyway, or even in work, I find a way to do it. I'm even starting a marketing role at work because it's going to allow me to focus on that, which is amazing. But um, I just didn't have the guts to go for it until later. But I, I've always written on the anyway just not shared it so because you actually graduated from the university of california san diego with an honors in political science writing law and society which are hardly known to be funny subjects or light subjects <laughs> so when right. did you actually think oh i know i'll do some stand-up oh man well honestly 10 years ago i wanted to and i probably before then and i've always loved comedy i like i get in trouble even now, probably at work, it's not always seems great when I'm making jokes when people are not in the mood for it. But I just, I, it was, just, I took improv classes in my late twenties and that wasn't really good for me because I was, wasn't comfortable with my body at that point and being on stage and, and that being a focus. But um, then I set a goal, like by the time I'm 40, I have to do this. I knew I wasn't going to do the family and kids and stuff. I was trying to set it like a doable goal, which was I can get up on stage. And so, yeah, I set a goal and then I just kind of, waited and waited until I was like 39.8 or something and finally did it and um yeah and it's great but I, I I didn't ever write in a way for comedy and that's been really special to get to do that that's one of the best parts is like putting together a set it's it's, it's exciting and it's fun to find a line through things and yeah so, so you you like the bit that every other comedian hates by just sitting there writing sets day in day brilliant yes. so <laughs> And, and how would you describe your um, comedy style? A lot. It's observational, I would say, and a lot of personal narrative. I I realized 
being too self-deprecating wasn't good. I just had this realization, even in my personal life, I make people uncomfortable by like focusing on my weight, for example, and things like that, where people weren't even maybe noticing. And I was like always, you know, taking the piss out of myself uh, to use a British way of saying it. And so I try not to do too much of that, but um, I still, I can make fun of myself because there are things that are ridiculous and, or just things I see. So observational personal narrative, I'm, I'm a storyteller more than a one-liner, although I will do a one-liner every once in a while, if I can pull it off. And have you done stand up both in America and the UK? So- yeah, I started. Yeah. In San Diego. And uh, that's where I was living when I started. That was when I was living when I turned 40 basically. And so I did it for about a year there, a little less than a year. Then I moved here. We had this pandemic happen. So I was online mostly in London, but I've done quite a bit outside too. And it's really, it was a big learning from when I first got here to now and just kind of how to present myself. I was trying to be like British when I first got here and trying to change all my jokes or write British jokes. And it, it didn't work. And so now I'm just myself again and it's been better. It's a lot easier when you're yourself, isn't it? Than trying to be something else. So which comedians out there have actually influenced you? Which ones do you enjoy watching? I, David Letterman quite possibly is the love of my life, um, which is solid to stay single, I guess. But uh, I loved watching him growing up and you know, it's not, you're not seeing a lot of his stand up at that point. You've seen the late show, but he really just influenced me. Um, Robin Williams on my style is nothing like his, just his passion always excited me and just how thoughtful he was. And um, I like Ricky Gervais. I, I mean, I'm not controversial like him at all or anything, but he still cracks me up a lot. Um, so those guys, and then, you know, I started to see more comedians as well. Um, like Sarah Milliken's cool and yeah and I don't watch a lot of comedy I mean Hannah Gadsby really 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 influenced me a lot as well and even though my styles might not reflect into those people it's just people who I really admire and Mark Maron um, I love him so so there's quite a quite a com- um, collaboration there of all sorts so a bit of a mix mix up of everything so that's brilliant um, so Graham have you actually got anything that you'd like to ask yeah, on on your actual your your style, which is sort of built on self worth and an accident prone. Do you use many, um, let's say, from the workplace, many examples from the workplace, many observations that you've seen, or are you inspired from the workplace? Well, with the work, I you know I don't talk about work much, but I do have some things I've been working on, but I do make jokes at work, kind of about work but I don't do it on stage because it's like I work in IT as a project manager so a lot of it's not relatable um a lot of stuff's just taken from my life more than my actual work just a lot of things and some things will happen and I'll think about it like six months later like oh yeah that was super weird actually I should explore that a little bit (laughs) and and do do you think on let's say on on the observations is it just you know from like you're walking down the street you see someone let's say yeah you know, bump into each other? Is it those types of observations? Is it the actual, you know, exaggerated observation? Or is it really the more cynical, like, perceived observation that you do? I think it ends up being my perception of things. And then just like, I'm trying to think through my recent stuff. I mean, some of it's just about having lived through the time we have, or I'll take something I'll have heard and I'll 
I'll like process it in my own way. And so I have like this whole bit about diets and I just kind of make fun of all of them, but with my own bent on it and like my perspective, and I might not even feel that way about things, but I just, it's fun just to, I, what I like about the comedy, I think is like, you're able to look at a situation and then you can manipulate it any way you want. I always thought you had to go up and tell the truth and almost confess. And I realized, no, they're confessing maybe one thing for five seconds. And then the rest is just this fantasy. And that's, it's really cool. So I'd say like, it ends up being my bent on things, if that makes sense. Yeah. And do, do you prefer stand up to shows or do you actually prefer planning for, let's say for a one hour show? Well, I'm planning my first show right now. Um, yeah. And so I, I think I, do, I like that more in the sense that I can explore topics that are a bit broad that like in a three minute or five minute set, if I just went up and talked about what I'm going to talk about, like in my show, I talk about, um, I have multiple sclerosis and I talk about that and I can't imagine just going up on stage for three minutes and just saying that. And then just like, you know, <laughs> so I like that I can build and kind of um, expand on things and thoughts and kind of also use it as a vehicle to raise awareness. But the thing that's fun about a set is almost the challenge. Once you have enough material of whittling it down and just compressing it, cause that's when it gets better. We don't have enough room to add all the faff. So I like that too, but I'd say I'm really enjoying this process of the longer show, even though it's a lot more pressure and I feel like I might've done it a year or two too soon. And do, do you ever think um, that the improv that you actually did many years ago is actually helping you now? Or um, sort of, it was a good grounding in, let's say, um, in, in writing. I do because I, it was kind of the introduction to fiction writing for me in a way, I guess, because I was always really interested in nonfiction and even like autobiographies and things like that. And the stuff in the New Yorker, I mean, the New Yorker is just amazing. And so I think it gave me that like permission to to fantasize a little bit more and and present that and um yeah because i'm kind of like i also think that it just gave me some tools to react a little bit differently you know and have respect for it i think learning the things gives me more respect for the art so to know to have enough respect to not do it too as much as to do it <laughs> and um, and when you're growing up let's say in 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 the states obviously in in the states you you know, you, you've had a lot of, let's say, from the Robbie Willi Robin Williams and a lot of the sort of the true greats you've had in, in from Adam Sandler in the films from growing up, you know, you've seen, do you, do you get, you look at like Adam Sandler, you think, right, that's what I'm going to take where he's the, the adult in the, and you're going back to be the child in the adult. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, one thing is because they're able to be silly. Like one of my favorite films is Tommy Boy. Mm -hmm. And it's David Spade and Chris Farley. Yeah. And if you, if someone would look at me or look at what I have watched recently, they would not think that's one of my favorite films, but it destroys me every time. It's so funny. <laughs> and I, I think, yeah, just that whole idea that I like the, that the people can be two things like Adam Sandler can be silly and goofy and Billy Madison and these things, but then he can also do, I forgot what the movie is, the jewels mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. and do that. And I think, people understanding that you can be more than one thing is kind of nice because it just gives you even more to work with. Is that what you were asking kind of? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's cause I mean, I've, I've listened to quite a few of your podcasts, which I really have enjoyed hmm. and I do recommend to anyone out there, to, well, all who's out there to listen in because it's, it's, it's high quality stuff. This It's not the, uh, not just the 
from a project engineer. Now, I've got an IT background. Do you find that on your, when you get getting your shows that you'll be using the project management to actually organize and construct the show in a much more, a lot easier to construct the show from having a project background? Yeah, I, my definitely. And I ended up in project management unintentionally. I mean, I actually avoided it because I was always like, I don't want to be that person who's annoying everybody and whatever. And so it turns out I'm good at doing that. But I think it, it's my approach to things, creative things involves that. And like with the podcast, I mean, I was very planful going into it. And even I have like a template that I use for structure. So then I fill it in every time. I created a form. So when someone's on my show, they fill in a form. So I have all the data I need about them. Uh, you know, just stuff like that, where I operationalize things more than, and I get compliments on it. So I, but then sometimes I'm like, oh, should I just be more chill? Like, you know, cause I don't have someone working for me that I can say, hey, can you check the form? No, but gotta do it. So, you, but yeah, you, it's helped just structure things. <laughs> I gotta laugh a bit. You gotta get those, you gotta break it down into a task. <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah, my buddy who does my assets, like I created a, a, a flow chart for him. Here's the flow of our assets. And I think he's like, oh my God, but you know. Yeah, the, only, the only bad thing is you have to assign ownership to yourself. And when you have your PM meeting, who are you responsible to? Mm hmm <laughs> Exactly. It's a lot of holding myself accountable and then being annoyed with myself. <laughs> and on that note, I've got to ask this one question. Oh, is, we, can, uh, we may just give it or not. So my one question is, is that a bicycle in cupboard? Oh, man. Yeah. So they're, they're that... seeing online my studio flat that I live in and there is the cupboards open. So it looks like, but no, it's like a vertical bicycle stand. So I've been, I'm only uh... in the studio, so. So it's a vertical bicycle stand, but it looks like it's coming out of the cupboard. It's a cool illusion. <laughs> yes. You're also involved in quite a lot of charity work as well, aren't you? So mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about those? Yeah, sure. I mean, I just service has been an important part of my life since I was pretty young. For whatever reason, it's just been something I've always felt called to be involved in and volunteering. And so some of it's self-serving a little bit. I do a lot of work with the MS Society back home. Uh, in the states and then now here um for the friend show we're donating um part of the profits to charity just it's always been something that's important for me i think when you have a lot or you have i mean i don't know if i have a lot but when you have more than maybe you need i feel like it's important to give back and like try to elevate people and help them and so that charity is super important to me we're donating to refuge you know it's just to help women who are that are really difficult um, domestic violence. And then um, other charities, I've kind of taken like things that have happened in my life that haven't been great and have been kind of possibly tragic depending on which things they are and just try to figure out like, how can I, for example, if someone dies, like honor them. And one of the ways I can do that is to do work in charity or something helps other people who might be afflicted and so it's just been a part of my life that's super. Oh, that's really good. That, and it's, it, when you are sufficient, to share and then hopefully it'll make a better world all around so if somebody phoned you now if there was someone on the other phoned you and they said Robbie we want you to be our warm-up act and go on tour with us who would that be Jeez, that's tough um that's interesting because I it's like I haven't even watched that much stuff lately in a way but I would I think I'll right now just the person that comes to mind and I talk about him too much and if he ever finds out he'll probably like file a restraining order but I think Mark Marin. I mean that's who I would hang out with because I love his stuff and 
I think his crowd would be good and receptive to me as plea. So yeah, I guess that'd be him right now, but I could probably think of other people. <laughs> yeah. um, I know that you're coming to a whole lot of comedy on the 1st of August at the castle, yeah. coming to join us, which would be really good. Um, have you got any other gigs coming up? Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm doing several. I think the big, the big thing is Camden Fringe. Um, it's my first solo show, so it's 30 minutes and I'm gonna build on it. And it's called Nice Try. And we have five dates. I don't know if that was an, a rookie move. I think it was <laughs> five dates, but we'll see at the Etc. Theater. And so that I'm really excited about because it's it's been some things I've just needed to get off my chest in a way. And I, I hope people enjoy it. And I'm working with them. A, another lady, Stephanie Lawrence, another comic who's doing her half. But the, that's really what I'm working towards. But I, um, yeah, I have like Monkey Biz Comedy, I think, in Camden your show which I'm really excited about because last time I was quarantining uh so I'm gonna not go on public for a week or something before your show and just a few around to Groovy Grove I'm doing one um with Mira Cade in August so yeah I've got a few coming up I'm excited about so let's let's plug your Camden show for a little bit because that's how it went worse and and people listening can hopefully uh come and see your show so what's your show show called again Okay, so it's called Nice Try. Nice Try. And it's at the Acetra Theatre in Camden? Yeah, it is. It is. So, and what dates are you going to be there? So we're August 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 15th. And the 11th has a BSL interpreter. We were just talking about ways we could make it more accessible. And I'm kind of, the theater's not that accessible as far as mobility, but um, but we were trying to think of ways we could make things more accessible and like because online really had a lot of elements like captioning and stuff that in person doesn't have but yeah it's there that's a brilliant idea absolutely brilliant that's fantastic so how can people follow you sure so it's Robbie a comedy and more than work pod are my two handles um r-a-b-i-a-h and yeah i'm on all the all the channels basically well thank you very much for joining us and thank you listeners for listening and bye thank you bye bye this has been a podcast recording a whole lot of comedy